Hey, Free Jacks faithful. This April 8th, we host Major League Rugby's latest franchise, the Chicago Hounds. Hound Dogs. Let's hope they bring their life jackets because it's also our boom, 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 Yacht Rock Festival featuring a full set from the amazing headlining band of the 1970s, Orleans. You're still the one. We have in the spotlight pre-match the Breeze Touch Rugby Tournament, the third annual Cornhole Championship, and the Fan Fest features the Buoys of Summer as a pre-match band. Get your tickets at freejacks.com. Don't forget to bring your captain's hat. And let's have a lot of fun that day. On to the pod. Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. Also co-founder and CEO of the high-flying New England Free Jacks and Heritage Sports Ventures, the producer of the Indie Rock Fest in between days. Joining me today is none other than Julie Ehrman, the president and CEO of Angel City FC, LA's high-flying, amazing NWSL team. Prior to blending her love for sports and entrepreneurship, she was an executive at places like Playboy, Lionsgate Entertainment. She even founded her own video game company. Pretty amazing. There's a clear trend here for the love of entertainment across all mediums. She characterizes herself as a builder of things and certainly as a co-founder of a sports team. So much to learn from in today's chat. Welcome the amazing Julie Ehrman. Oh, Alex, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. We're just going to jump into a word game. If you don't mind, I'm just going to say something and you say what the first thing that comes to mind. Cool? Let's do it. Awesome. Angel City. Revolutionary. Ooh, yeah. Sports time. Wash you. Fun. The new everyone club. Inclusivity. Basketball. First love. Soccer. Current love. Buddy. That's awesome. Thank you. So you you grew up in LA. Is that what I've come to understand? Yeah. Born and raised. And Left for college and then came back. Never could get away to the amazing snow of New England and cold. I have no problem visiting as long as I know I'm coming home. It's all good. It's all good. So whereabouts in LA did you grow up? Grew up on the west side. Okay. So near the beach. And played sports growing up? Played sports. Basketball was my first love. And in fact, when I was in fourth grade, came home with a flyer from my school for the YMCA to join their basketball league. So myself and my twin sister were the only two girls of 80 boys. And I think that begins a lot of my you know, tenacity, grit, love of sport, not letting obstacles get in my way. Yeah. I'm going to show you. That's awesome. On a court. Yeah. And then you played basketball. Is that how you got to Wash U? Why Wash U in St. Louis? Very good school. My wife's Thank a pediatrician you. and they have an amazing lung transplant program of all things. But anyway. No, yeah. Wash U just keeps getting better. So it makes me seem smarter and smarter for that decision. I wanted two things in college. I wanted to get a business undergraduate degree because I knew that was where I wanted my career to go. And I also wanted to be able to play basketball, but I didn't want it to be the sole focus of my college career. So looked at Division three schools and Wash U is only halfway across the country. So a lot easier for the fam to come and visit. And at the time it was being touted as the Harvard of the Midwest, which 
my guess is it might be rivaling Harvard soon. So yeah. That is awesome. And what you you majored in business? Yes, I got my bachelor's in science in business administration with a focus in management and finance. Also entered the business plan writing competition with actually my sister who went there as well and two friends, which we won, owned two two businesses on campus. So tried to apply what I was learning right away. Wait, wait, you were playing basketball and building businesses while being a student at a very tough school? Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. What were the businesses you started? So freshman year, I learned how difficult it was to do laundry, or at least how unfun it was, how time-consuming. Yeah. So there was a business called Washi Wash that we bought and ran it for software junior and senior years. And then at the end of freshman year, we created a storage company for every all the kids' stuff, which seemed really smart until you realize you're working at the end of school and you're working at the beginning of school, and that's when everyone has the most fun. So that only lasted one year. You're like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, you know, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Is, is the wash washing one still going? Is that one of those college businesses that you like exited a higher valuation? And- yep, you exited every year. It is app. I was just there maybe for a, a reunion a couple of years back. It is still there. Actually has permanent building versus being out of the basement of one of the dorms. So it's pretty incredible, actually. So after Wash U, what was next? After Washu came back to Los Angeles, really, you know, initially wanted to be an investment banker, which isn't really far from what I do today, like finding great ideas, finding talented entrepreneurs, helping support them grow their business. Worked at a boutique shop here in Los Angeles um, in the syndicate department, which was basically about putting the book together. So who was actually going to get shares in a public yeah. offering or a private offering from there? Working hard, I assume, like old school investment banker days. Yeah. I mean, it was, I actually, because we were putting the book together, I sat on the trading floor. So it was, you know, you're in the office by 5 a.m., you're done by three. It was yeah. all men on the trading floor, and I think three women. I was one of them, but loved it and moved into full time investment banking from there and then got the entrepreneurial bug and started focusing on my own things. Well, clearly, I mean, certainly you had it in college. Were there things in as a kid that, kind of led you into an entrepreneurial path? Yeah. I mean, my my stepfather was an entrepreneur, worked for Xerox for a number of years, and then built the consulting company to support them and always spoke about the benefits of controlling your own destiny, you know, being on the revenue side of a ledger, betting on yourself. My mom was a teacher and basically supported any career other than that of a teacher. She wanted us to be appreciated and to be able to take care of ourselves and our family. So there was a lot of betting on yourself and believing in yourself mentality at the house, which obviously is very much in line with entrepreneurship. Yeah, sports entertainment, especially in companies, people are very good at spending money. There are not a lot of people that are very good at the other side of the, of the business, which makes it all, it all good. Yeah, the making side. Very brave decision. You started a video game company like in, in this world, like Ouya, did I say that? Ouya, right? yeah, it was 2012, 2013. So at that time, it was... In between the next iteration of the PlayStation and the Xbox. So it's before the Xbox One. I think it was before the PlayStation 4. And at that time, you don't see a lot of developers creating new content because they're building for the next generation console. It was also at the time when the app stores on both Apple and Google were growing exponentially. I think there was something like getting close to a billion apps or something. Something insane. Because at least on the Google operating system, there was no barrier to entry for developers. Right. You could post any game or any content you wanted. There was a rev share with Google and it really democratized the idea of game development. So I was looking at the marketplace and seeing traditional console gaming declining because of this moment in time we were in with new generations. Also, 
a lack of variety and excitement around console gaming because it was always sequels. There weren't a lot of new IP. And then all this explosive growth on mobile, these incredible developers, these incredibly creative games, but, you know, utilizing your thumb, which is not, you know, the best interface for a game, not in the living room where people spend the most time and spend the most money gaming. And then was seeing tablets come to market that pretty much look like game consoles, you know, plus Wi-Fi, plus, you know, other features. And so realized that I could build a game console on the Android operating system, democratize gaming for the living room, bring that freedom of game development from the phone to the living room, create an SDK where you could pair a controller to the game console and literally open up a living room. And that's what we did with Ouya. We That is not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's... From concept to actual it, hardware... Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardware. It's the software. It's the game ecosystem. It's the developers. They, they, you know, they had to port their games to the television. There's work they had to do, but not a significant amount of work. You see now, obviously, that there's games on Apple TV and games on Fire TV. And at one point there was, you know, a, a Google set-top box, but we were still a little bit early. And it was one of these things where we felt that at a $99 price point, it was really complementary to game consoles, not necessarily direct competitor especially because these games aren't buried in the indie section, but literally part of, you know, your home screen. So we took it to the people, right? And we said, you know, if you come, we will build it. Effectively, the opposite of Build of Dreams. Hope to raise a million dollars on Kickstarter, which woefully would have been under what we needed to yes. build product in China and ship it, you know, and, and get it into the Targets and the Amazons and the games of the UK. And we're really blown away by the demand. And we raised that million dollars in the first eight hours. $2 million in the first day and finished with over, what did we raise? Does that work on a Kickstarter? Is there yeah, a it was like we raised, yeah, $8.6 million from, you know, over 16,000 backers. So after that, the VCs who'd said no originally said, oh, you found product market fit. And even though you're a first time female CEO, it looks like you can do this. And you found great partners in Kleiner Perkins and Mayfield Capital raised, you know, 15 million in a series A, raised a series B with Alibaba and eventually sold the, the company to Razer. So a lot of the games that were on Ouya made it into PlayStation, Nintendo and Xbox as key marquee games for them, which was really thrilling to see. So again, being able to bring the independent game developer to the forefront, sort of not much different than I'm doing with women. I was about to say, as I was about to say, like <laughs> it's creating an ecosystem, right? It's very much creating a platform by which others can really excel. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of, how did you get from there? Obviously, you spent some time doing other entertainment. Yes. And then into Angel City. How did that happen? It is a very long, non-linear road. But as they all are, like typically. Right. <laughs> yeah, truly. And, you know, my career has a lot of doing something entrepreneurial, learning the hard way on the job and then going into more traditional company to learn from, you know, experts and leaders that, you know, have built something specifically. But, you know, most of my career has been in entertainment, gaming, content, you know, really bringing joy to people's lives. And um, I consider myself a creative, but more about getting the creative people out there, figuring yeah. out a way to do that, because I'm not creative in the traditional sense. And um, building the systems by which all yeah, of it comes mean, together. It's a very creative process. You know, it's really more a reflection of the networks and the relationships you create along the way. Right. And as you build your skill set and as you expand your network and your capabilities, it's bringing people close to understand like what you're good at and also what you're passionate about. With Angel City, I have two co-founders, Natalie Portman, the actress and activist, and Karen Nortman, who's a venture capitalist here in L.A. Karen and I both grew up in L.A. 
have known each other for the last 20 years, both being in tech and venture capital here in LA. Our paths have crossed a hundred times, but never worked together, but always sort of stayed in touch and kept each other abreast of what was going on. I pitched her a number of times to raise money. And when Natalie and her had the idea for Angel City, you know, it was one of these right place, right times. Karen and I play in a summer basketball league with other awesome. women in tech here in LA. That's and awesome. we had a match in August of 2019, right after the women won the 2019 World Cup. Kara's telling us all about the incredible stories of the of the week as she was back in Paris and then pulled me aside and said, you know, long story, but her and Natalie have this idea to bring a women professional soccer team to LA. I'm an entrepreneur. I build businesses. You know, they have day jobs. They're really busy. Do I have the bandwidth and time to figure out what that would look like and how we would do it. My first response is what everybody's would have been, which is, what's the National Women's Soccer League? <laughs> I had no idea there was professional women's soccer. I had no idea it was entering its eighth year. And so after I figured out that it exists and all the national team players play on it, and you know, I don't know about it because it didn't have media coverage, because it doesn't have me you know broadcast coverage, there's so much potential upside with the league, let alone with the players, let alone with LA, where I'm born and raised and love sports, sort of dove head first into make it happen. That's amazing. So, so many things to, to peel back there. Weren't you already, didn't you just start at Playboy at the time? Was that pretty much around that wheelhouse or you had been there kind of, you were looking for something else or it's like, no, I'm really excited doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, no, that was a, I had just left. It was a really interesting opportunity. There is a new CEO who wanted to make the company relevant for today's generation really leaning on its values of what it was built upon, which was diversity, inclusivity, supporting the LGBTQ community, supporting, you know, the legalization of marijuana, right? You know, not objectifying women, but empowering women and allowing them to, if it's to use their bodies to do that, to do so. And I love the idea of making, you know, a 60-year-old brand that's probably one of the most iconic American brands relevant to a generation who arguably it's really built for. Yeah, And so we spent about nine months really rebuilding the mission, the values, what the product offering would be, how we would go to market. And at the end of the day, you know, didn't really get everything I hoped it would be and felt that it wouldn't, you know, it wasn't going to be the change that I wanted it to be and wanted to support the new iteration more than the current iteration and felt that I'd done everything I could do and wasn't going to achieve sort of that personal gratification. I mean, to be able to have a brand that could speak really honestly about the tough topics we're having today in a really authentic way because of that history, there was something really powerful about that. And knowing that I couldn't do that to the extent that I wanted to, just felt like it was the right time to leave. So I was working on some other ideas, pitching Kara other ideas. And she's like, like, no, but I've got an idea for you. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I'm working on Angel City since. So how did you guys go from the three of you then like, okay, what is this going to look like? What year was that? Was that 2019, summer of 2019. Yeah, to actually creating an amazing brand, an amazing feel, an amazing experience, massive group of supporters. I mean, there's so many pieces to that. How did that unfold? So there were a couple of things that we sort of laid down as table stakes. One, it was very important that mission was a core part of Angel City. Having a positive impact was going to be at the core of Angel City. You know, that's because of Karen Natalie's work with Time's Up, coming out of the Me Too movement and really driving towards, you know, equity for women. So we knew day one that mission was going to be part of Angel City and that our ultimate goal was to drive to equity. Initially, it's pay equity, but that also means, you know, sponsorship equity, viewership equity, attendance, mind share. Like, how do we get to wit equity for the athletes, equity for women, 
you know, an equity for the sport. Um, the second thing was we knew that we were building Angel City in such a unique period of time that we had the opportunity that if we built a platform, we could tell a bigger story than just a sports team. So we wanted Angel City to be bigger than the game from day one. And that there kind of lies the idea that like, well, if we want to have the most impact and ultimately drive the most revenue, how do you position yourself to do that? Well, global brands do that. They draw the most attention, they can affect the most change, and they drive the most revenue. So that was sort of our North Store. Like, how do we become a global brand to ultimately drive to equity so we can have the most impact and the most revenue? Right. And then the third thing, which became obvious very quickly, is we were building Angel City very differently than traditional sports teams. First, it was founded by three women that had no sports experience that didn't have, you know, a billion dollars in net worth between them. So instead of having all of the money and building the company that we wanted, we were building Angel City like a startup and raising money and finding those that believed in this idea of building Angel City as a platform where we could stand for equity and impact, where we could drive to be a global brand to achieve equity and to, and to bring in investors who had platforms that could build attention and awareness to drive to Angel City so that we could accomplish our goals. So... Building this differently, being three male founders, being a majority female team at the beginning and still to this day, we recognized that the outcome was just as important as the building. So what by that, I mean, okay, so you're three women. And if you look at most sports teams, most sports franchises, they lose money, right? Right. We just saw what's going on. We just saw what's going on with Juve. They lost what? Over 200 million last year, like most sports teams, iconic, the largest in the world, lose money, right? So very early on, we decided that, you know, if we were going to do things differently, we also needed to have a different outcome than a majority of sports teams, which in this case is actually making money. So we sort of adopted this internal mantra that we lead with passion and purpose to drive to profitability. We're building an organization where mission and capital can coexist where we never sacrifice impact for revenue. And we're going to show that one actually enhances the other. And as you drive the revenue engine, you drive the impact engine and it becomes this virtuous positive cycle. So, you know, certainly said it more articulately than it took me, you know, my, the first three months of Angel City to do. Uh, we're going to make a difference. <laughs> yeah, but, yes. you know, then it was sort of like, okay, you know, we want to build an organization where mission and capital can coexist. We want to build a global brand. Like, who does this well? Right. And, and, and what are the lessons that we can learn? And so I spent a lot of time researching City Football Group because they were a platform. Yeah. They really monetize their players and their commercial assets. I researched Barcelona, which is really from the people by the people. Right. But they are a global brand that has other products and services under the Barcelona umbrella. And to me, that was a lot of the aha moment. I wanted to be the platform of City Football Group, the global brand of Barcelona and add the mission impact of Angel City. 100%. And that's how we've been building Angel City from the beginning. The next step was to find investors who believed in this. And one of our first calls was to Alexis O'Hanian, Serena Williams' husband, who's founder of Reddit, now founder of 776 yes. Ventures. And, you know, he got it immediately. He understood our ultimate goal to drive to equity, you know, obviously witnessing, you know, what Serena has gone through in her career, but also seeing a business that has incredible upside. These ass assets of female athletes that are cultural icons that have millions of followers that aren't being leveraged, whose stories aren't being told, a league that it's in its third generation, its eighth year. So the stump stability, but so much upside from broadcast to sponsorship to licensing to data and really saw it as a phenomenal business opportunity. 
And that's how we got him on board. And then the balance of our 99 investors are, you know, some of the most incredible, you know, actresses and, and athletes, and executives who under who have platforms, who understand how to use their platform for impact and to drive their brand. And that's the likes of Eva Longoria and Jessica Chaste, Jennifer Garner, Sophia Bush, Lily Singh, Billie Jean King, Lindsey Vaughn, and 14 former U.S. Women's National Team soccer players, including, you know, Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm, Abby Wambach, her wife, London Doyle. Like, they understand that you can do good and make money and do something exceptional in L.A. for women's sports. And, and we all came together to build Angel City. And you have suddenly these amazing what effectively is your street marketing team, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, they Intentionally. Have, yeah. They're yeah. How does that look on the cap table? Did you bring them in as sophisticated investors? They're on the cap table. Did you create an SPV that kind of has a set of investors that are then listed? Like, how did you guys manage that from the investment side? Or is it just profits interest? You help on the marketing side and we'll give you equity. No. So everybody's on the cap table. We... Don't do any writers or any warrants or, you know, you have to believe in our mission and our purpose and understand your value is to build attention awareness for Angel City, to drive ticket sales, to drive attention, to help us with partnerships. Like you play an active role in building Angel City. And that was more important to me than the, than the check size. Yeah. So really like don't care about the check size care because again, their, their social footprint, their platform, their voice is way more valuable than whatever amount of dollars they would give me. And that was, and that was the, the commitment. Like you coming in means you're going to leverage your platform to support Angel City and our goals. And everyone did that. And, you know, I can honestly say of our 99 investors, every single one of them has done something special to move Angel City forward. And some have done a lot, but they're all active investors. We have quarterly all investor Zooms. It's That's the most so amazing Brady Bunch Zoom yeah. screen you've ever seen. And they're, they're invested and they're committed. Truly. That's, that's fantastic. And something else you guys have done an amazing job, at least from the outside looking in, is your supporters are really passionate. They're passionate about the brand. They're passionate about the value. I think, you know, the way you guys have built it, that's the case. At one stage, I was talking to Katie Griggs, who used to be at Atlanta United, who's now with the Mariners. And Katie's great. And she was part of building that up. And she said if her marketing budget was cut 90%, the last 10% would be to support the supporters groups. Is that like, how do you guys manage the supporters groups? How do you bring them in? How does that all work? Yeah, we, we were lucky that we had a little over two years to build Angel City. And as you know, like you can't really acquire a team until the last like three or four months before a season starts. So it allowed us um, first to really focus on like, what is the mission and vision and purpose of Angel City? What are our values? We were going through COVID. You know, it wasn't the right time to raise money because there were more important things at that time, certainly with, you know, supporting frontline workers and whatnot. So, you know, the first thing was really to understand who we are and what we stood for. The next part was to engage the community, right? And during this really tough time of 2021, engaging the community, giving back, being impactful, letting them understand our values and bringing them under the tent so that they can provide a voice in how we were being built. So including them in uh, what our colors would be and like, including them in our crest design, really making them feel like they are part of Angel City and working with them to build a new club from the beginning. You know, we are so fortunate today. We have six supporter groups, you know, over 2,000 strong and growing, you know, every year. We have a, a team of people that support the supporters because they are our most passionate fans. And we do this for them. So it's important to get it so. We, we have a supporters council. We work with them actively. Like I said, we have full-time staff that works with them to do things together, right? They really manage their own direction. And, but, you know, 
it's it's been a really special partnership. Now, one thing I would say, which you know I'm really proud of, is there's we have built over the last three years, you know, a significant amount of trust with the supporters, whereby they know about player signings before they go public. They know about hires before they go public. They know about things before we make it public so that they have the ability to, you know, galvanize their fan, their their supporter group to get excited about it. But, you know, we are really intentional about how we market Angel City, how we bring things to market. So letting anybody know early is always really nerve wracking. But, you know, since we first showed them our crest and uh, June of 2021, we've established this incredible trust where, you know, they can really be part of the decision-making of Angel City because they, you know, keep it amongst themselves. That's amazing. And do you find you're getting input from them that's that's affected and changed the trajectory of some of the decisions you guys are making? That's game day experience or any other parts of the business? Yeah, I mean, we're always getting input and we and we take it all in. I think the one hard lesson that we had to learn early on was that you know, not everybody is going to like us or like our decisions and we're okay with that. But if we're very clear about why we're doing something and it's in line with our values, then, you know, we can feel confident about those decisions. Uh, so, you know, we've made, we've made decisions that they haven't loved, but they've, we've worked hard to understand the why. So then it's more of a distancing of opinion than it is, you know, is it right or wrong for Angel City? And that type of relationship takes time to build. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you guys keep to your North Star and you know, and, and you help bring people understand why decisions are made on that path, which is which is really cool. So the pillars of sports entertainment, right? Media, sponsorship, ticket sales, merch. You guys came out of the gate, massive number of sponsorships. How did you line those up? How did you make that work? I mean, massive success early on, right? And in, in, in that pillar. Is that because people are like, wait a minute, I, I understand what Julie and her team are creating from a value proposition? And, and you find that the ROI for those sponsors is, is falling into place? Yeah, we, first of all, it starts by having an incredible leader in that space with Jess Smith, who has years of sports experience coming from the Quakes and the Oakland A's. But really it was about telling a different story. Like we didn't walk into these rooms and say, hey, here's what we think your reach is gonna be and what your engagement is gonna be. And here are the assets, right? Like sort of a traditional sports sponsorship yeah. sales process. We walked in and said, we stand for equity and impact. You know, we believe in having a positive impact in our community and driving revenue, ultimately getting to, to, to equity for women. Everything we do lives and breathes our values. We've developed the Angel City sponsorship model where 10% of your sponsorship dollars will go back into the community through our social impact platform of equity essentials and educations. We'll find partners that align with what your values are and we'll show up in the community and make a difference. And we'll tell those stories. And this is a you know, 365 day activation, not just, you know, 14 home games, but it's how we're going to show up together and how we're going to live our values. That's going to increase, you know, your value, your relationship with your customers, create that emotional connection. And we're going to, we're going to grow together. And it was a very different pitch that I think was very timely about people really wanting to live their values. And it's like, if I am going to partner with birdies or DoorDash or Sprouts, like, why am I partnering? And what are we aligned? And how can we go into the community and make a difference together in an authentic way that has legs. The other part was that we were also valuing women's sports. You know, investing in supporting Angel City is actually making a pretty bold statement that you believe in female athletes, you believe in women's sports, you believe in, you know, Angel City and what we stand for. And so we went out and truly valued our product and made you want it, right? Like we we said we're going to you know, drive global attention and awareness. We've sold 
you know, Angel City merch in 48 countries in all 50 states. You know, Eva Longoria and Jessica Chastain and Natalie Portman wear our kit on social media. There is value for that, that's attributed, right? So it's very much of a different pitch and play driven by our values and our impact. But the fact that this is a much longer relationship where the younger generation that wants to feel values aligned in the products that they support and the business that they support immediately see it with Angel City and our partners. It's fantastic. I love it. And so with the, with, uh, with the community outreach, is that your team then lining up partners for the partner, for the sponsor then and activating? Yeah, I, guess, yeah, I can absolutely go both ways. So DoorDash is, you know, focuses on that last mile of food insecurity and they have their Dasher program. We partnered with the All People's Community Center to hand out meals together. Together, we've handed out nearly not 400,000 meals this year. So sometimes, you know, we bring them together. We also launched the Angel City Player 22 Fund, which is a grant system for former professional women soccer players who want to stay in the sport. And some of our partners have invested in the Player 22 Fund as a part to grow the sport and keep athletes, you know, inv you know invested in part of the sport that they built. Um, so it's a combination of the two. But to date, we have 23 different partners. We have touched over 52,000 Angelinos. It's been pretty incredible. That is really absurd and incredible. And I love the fact that you're measuring it and, and, and seeing and trying to figure out ways to continue to improve that. What ticket sales? You guys came out of the gate before the season even started. You had 15,000 plus season tickets. What do you attribute that to? Oh, what's the magic sauce? <laughs> There's no magic sauce. I mean... 90% of which the, the reality is there's no uh, magic sauce. You know, part of it is what's so obvious, but isn't done in women's sports is that we invested. We didn't wait to see if the investment would pay off. We invested knowing it would. So we invested in our marketing to make sure people knew we existed. We had, you know, you know, billboards and wild postings. We had a huge online campaign. We we wrapped one of our trains in LA, right? So we in, we invested to make sure people knew that we existed. We invested in the game day experience, both the pre-game fan fest experience, but the actual game day experience. What is it like before they kick the first ball? How does it feel like every other sporting event you've ever been, been to? We consistently and often told our story so we could start to build our audience and grow our audience. And we, you know, tons of, you know, in community activations, which got easier once, you know, COVID got more under control, you know, but internally it was having a mindset and a goal to sell out that first game. You know, I remember walking into the Bank of California and, and watching LAFC play and then obviously touring it as we're making decisions for Angel City and saying, oh my God, this is, this is really big. <laughs> this is, you it's know, this big, is, yeah. there are a lot of seats here, right? Yeah. And, you know, we started our campaign with seat deposits because, you know, impact is part of everything we do. For every seat deposit we sold, we donated a sports bra to a young girl in need. So we donated 22,000 sports bras. So there was meaning to that $50 deposit. You know, we held open houses at the stadium where our fans could come in and actually pick their seat, sit in their seats and look at the field to decide what they wanted. So a real attention to detail to really create the best fan experience possible. And then... Again, having that goal internally, which is we're going to sell out this game. Fantastic. You know, what was most surprising, though, is, you know, we sold out three other games. Yeah. We sold out our rivalry match. We sold out our, our, our final match of the season. And then we sold out our match against, and this I'm actually most proud of, second to selling out our home opener, which was we sold out our rivalry match against San Diego in July. The following weekend, we were playing Seattle Rain here. Meg Rapino was hurt, not playing. 
we sell out that game, which is 22,000 people at the Bank of California. At that exact same time, at the Rose Bowl, Juventus was playing Real Madrid in a friendly match. They sold out 93,000 fans. So there were 93,000 people at the Rose Bowl yeah. watching men's soccer. 25,000 people watching soccer at the exact same time in LA. Exact same time. Yeah. So it was probably one of the most, you know, it was one of those moments where it was so clear that we built our own audience. We it's built them and we built an experience that despite two of the best teams in the world, they still want to come see Angel City. Yeah. I'm looking at schedules. Okay. Red Sox, Yankees, we're not playing at home that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> totally get it. Totally get it. So media-wise, you guys have done fantastic as well. You know, more than 500,000 watched the, the championship final. On 900,000. Wow. It's even more than I thought. That's absurd. Yeah. Fantastic. What What is next in terms of TV deal, media? You know, obviously the MLS deal with Apple is setting yeah. standards. You guys have numbers that are better than MLS in some yeah. ways? Oh, yeah. I mean, head-to-head, -head, you know, our ratings are on par and slightly better sometimes than MLS, the WNBA, even like midweek MLB games. Yeah. You know, the challenge that women's sports has had, and specifically the NWSL, is just coverage, right? Getting the right time slot on the right channel. So you mentioned the championship game. It was Portland Thorns against the Kansas City Current on CBS Saturday night. Having said that, we were up against a World Series match, and we were up against, I think, the Michigan-Michigan State game. Having said that, we got 915,000 viewers. Awesome. Previous MLS championship game got 1.12 million. So it just says if you put us on at the right time, at the right, you know, at, on the right channel, there are fans and they don't have to like, I always say that the hardest working fans in sports are women's sports fans because we have to work the hardest to find it, right? And you make it easy, everybody shows up. And so Absolutely. our our broad our streaming rights are up this year, our broadcast rights are up in 24. So we're already in the process of renegotiating with CBS or, you know, finding the right partner for, you know, the NWSL games. We'll see significant value accretion from that. As you mentioned, the MLS is at 2.5, you know, billion. They have more games and more teams, but I think we can, you know, be comparable for what we get, you know, and then I think there's a huge opportunity from a sponsorship perspective. You know, there are 12 teams today. There'll be 14 in the next couple of years with the expansion process that we've discussed at the league. And so the talent is growing. The markets are incredible. The viewership is growing. So anybody getting in is getting into the really good valuation in time because it's literally only going up. Yeah, it's, but it's skyrocketing. I mean, that's the... Is, it, is there any movement in Boston, the old breakers? Boston is a, is a city we're very excited about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a good clue. I like that. How about you? How do you manage all? You got family. You've got this amazing career. What's the day-to-day -day like? I do. I have two incredible kids, Elle, who's... 14 and Charlie, who's 11. This is probably the first job where they not only understand what I do, but understand the impact. So building it with them has been pretty amazing. I have an exceptional leadership team, an incredible ownership group. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at asking for help. You know, I'm really good at hiring the best people and giving them the tools to be successful and just getting out of their way and being there if they have problems or need to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, just built this incredibly committed, passionate team who, also recognize we're building something bigger than the game and want to be part of that. So that actually goes a very long way. I think our biggest challenge now is just like, how do we keep raising the bar, right? Because, you know, we sold out four games last year. We want to sell out six this year, right? We're in, you know, we're, we've had fans, we've had fans come to our games from 15 countries, I think in 49 states. 
So it's like, what's that 50th state that we haven't yeah. had a fan from? Let's get them to Angel City. You know, and how do we potentially take this business model beyond Angel City? And what does that look like? Because, you know, to your early question, there's no magic and secret sauce here. We're just intentional about what we do. We're intentional about having impact while we drive revenue. We're intentional about telling the story and how your participation matters. We launched the Angel City Fan Field Program, where 1% of our net gate receipts right. goes back to the players. So if you want to support women's sports and you want them to get paid more, well, come to a game. And don't just buy a ticket, but come. Because when you come, you'll buy merch, you'll buy a hot dog, right? You'll buy soda. Like All of that revenue goes into the club, which ultimately can make its way back to the players. And so you know, we also think it's important to include all the constituents, you know, that care about this sport to help us grow it. Is that like an addendum to their contract? Like they participate in certain marketing initiatives, things like that? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the quid pro quo for the players, you know, in the same way that we pay Google and Meta to drive fans, you know, our our players have the biggest audience and their fans are the most likely to come to a game. So if they use their name, image, and likeness and promote ticket sales throughout the season, they're part of this pool that would get that 1%. And really it's about you know, posting the game is coming and adding a link to Ticketmaster. And we provide them all the assets. And I don't think there's been a single game where the players haven't done it. You know, one of the arguments was, well, they're going to do it anyway. Uh, and my response is, they don't have to do it. They certainly don't have to post a Ticketmaster link. And they're, I'm asking them to do something. I'm not going to ask them to do something where I pay other people money to do the exact same thing. So it's a situation where literally everybody wins. And if they drive more ticket sales than my forecast, it's all upside. So you know, it's been an incredible program. I know the players have loved it. It matters to the fans. And, you know, I'm hopeful that other teams will, will you know, follow suit and do it. I love that. And you can measure the impact. Is it fairly positive? Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Or sell out games. Does, yeah. Does that affect salary capital? No, there's something within the NWSL, which is called excess compensation. Yeah. And so there is a the maximum where players can make additional money outside of their duty of playing soccer, which could be, you know, player appearances and signings. And but, you know, our philosophy, too, is like it shouldn't have to be a heavy lift. I mean, going to a soccer camp and affecting 20 kids is powerful. Posting online, telling your story, you know, supporting this club, yeah. affecting two million people is also powerful. You yeah. know, both require work and both are, you know, a representative of actions that they should get paid for. Yeah. Last week alone, we had. 528 kids learn rugby in Boston in peace classes just because of our players. They're, again, similar type of setup, which I absolutely... No, I'm a, I'm a huge rugby fan. I'm trying to get my son into it. Oh, we went to a number of the Geltini's games before okay. they were yeah. no gone. In fact, like, Geltini. you can see my office, but that's the okay. Angel City Geltini. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Now, yeah. we're a big fan. Big fan of, of rugby and seeing that grow and hoping that it comes back to L.A. soon. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's growing so fast in a lot of ways. Yeah, the women's game, especially the World Cup just ended and it was a fantastic final. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, you talk about this being a platform. I know time is of the essence here. And it's a global brand. It's growing to become a global brand. What is next? Like, what is, you know, what is five years from now, what does the future of Angel City look like? Is there, do you have a real estate play? Is there a different team you bring into the brand? Is it like the city ownership where you have a team in the UK and in Australia, you know, what's the, what's the etch-a-sketch? Yeah. Okay. Yes, maybe. But yeah, I mean, the, the answer is yes. I mean, we built Angel City to be a global brand where if we could build a community and impact, we would launch other products and services. 
underneath the halo. So yes, with the next five years, you could see the Angel City brand growing significantly. We want to be a leader in women's sports. You know, we we need to win on the pitch. We're going to build a dedicated practice facility for the players. But as we think about the academy system, as we think about, you know, the evolution of women's sports and the value of players in the transfer market, it's something that we're going to, you know, pay attention to. We also, you know, are incredible content storytellers. We tell it for our community. We tell it for our players, we think there's something there to tell more stories about women's sports and incredible athletes beyond just Angel City. So it's something we're going to lean into as well. But, you know, I want Angel City to, you know, to be that billion dollar brand and to be mentioned in the same sentence as Liverpool and Man United and Dallas Web Cowboys and the New York Yankees. So real estate is not necessarily the area because, you know, we don't own the stadium, but we can lean into the areas where we think we have an advantage, which is leveraging our business model, continuing to lead and grow women's sports, telling stories and providing other products and services to our community that feel authentic coming from Angel City that, you know, share our values. Yeah. And, and telling the stories is, is such a key part of it. You know, characters, conflict resolution is what sports do so well. Do you see yourself then creating an in-house studio and kind of you know, NFL films version of Angel City films and is that part of the potential? Yeah, I mean, it's still early. You know, we really needed to nail Angel City Football Club first. But yes, I mean, those are some of the things we're absolutely looking at. I think we have a real authentic voice. I think we've already built trust with the consumer base. We have some other initiatives we're going to launch next year on the impact side. So, you know, we want to be really thoughtful about what new products and services or businesses we bring to market and make sure everything also supports Angel City Football Club and continues to grow it because, you know, no matter what other business I think of, there is no greater growth and upside potential than women's soccer right now. Yeah. So how do we continue to lean into that and grow it? Okay, which begets my next question. We're getting towards the end here. Is, you know, you're a badass. You've proven you're a top executive in sports entertainment. You've built it. You know, it's, you've started the structure. Do you, where do you go from here? Is it, is this something you grow with and you're part of the maturity of it? Is there something else you're looking potentially down the horizon? Are you like a build the systems person and then let the systems run and then go do it again someplace else? Yeah. I mean, you know, right. Like, I love what I'm doing. There's so much more we can do with Angel City. So I'm here. I'm committed. I'm dedicated. You know, there's just, I mean, it's only been one year. I mean, that's what's crazy. It's like you look at you look at our results and typically you'd say you'd see that after three years or five years in that slow build. And, you know, we did it in one year. So just the idea of what we can do in two years and three years is incredibly exciting. Besides, I don't have a championship ring, so I'm not going anywhere until that happens. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm a sports fan first and foremost. If you ever see me at a game, you would I am not the calm, cool, collected owner. I'm pacing the sidelines, cheering on, awesome. cheering on the stands, you know. Um, Half so, the time I can't watch. It's like, oh, it's, I don't eat that. I don't eat days of, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm more nauseous. It's like, I see, I, I go, I'll talk to the coach pregame. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, why are you so calm? Like, I'm a nervous wreck. I, of course, cannot influence anything yeah. that happens in the game, you know? So I'm like, I'm anxious and nervous and, you know, want my team to win so badly because I love my players and my coaches and I want it for them, you know? And, you know, she just says, I've done everything I can do. The team's prepared. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm like, what is this mind, <laughs> mind work you're doing? Yes. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Like, no. Come on, on here. Yeah. Seven. This yeah. is why. Like, no. 
So I'm, the team has teased me about getting a sports psychologist because I'm so bad on game days, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But I miss it so much. I can't wait for the season to start. A regular season starts at the end of March. So it awesome. can't be enough. That is just around the corner. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and the off season is more busy than the in season. You know, didn't think it would be possible, you know, but yes, it is. Yeah, because you're doing all the planning for next year. What are the big ideas you didn't get to? And what are the new things you want to get to? And how do you want to grow your team? And it's, yeah, it's actually a little bit quieter and a little bit more fun during the season. So yes, March can't come fast enough. Awesome. Last little bit is this rapid fire. That first Angel City goal. Oh, um, I mean, it took my breath away. I mean, it was, it was just shocking, right? It was so early in the game. It was in, I think it was like the eighth minute. It was so early and you know, it was it was a it was a corner kick that came out where June tracked it down. We didn't think she was going to track it down. She tracked it down, served it back into the middle. Vanessa Giles heads it in, and you're just like, oh my god! Like, and and, and I think well, the the other part that was so incredible about that moment is, as I mentioned, our home opener was a sold out game, and you know, you know, it, you know, it's LA, so it takes like 20 minutes for the, the whole stadium to fill in, right? Before it's like really full because of LA traffic. And I'm standing one, next to one of my colleagues that works on the, the partnerships team who has been part of U.S. soccer. And she goes, you know, Julie, this is amazing. She goes, but I really hope we score. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, like, the sound in the stadium is different when you score. The cheer is different. Yeah. And you only hear it when you score. And I really hope with the sold-out crowd, we get to hear that. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, you're telling me that my goal should not have been to sell out, but yeah. now it's to score. Yeah. And it's like, now you're score with a sellout. something away from me before I yeah. had it. Yeah. So it was incredible. And then it was like five minutes later, we sold our second goal. And it was like, what is happening? Um, and then it's, you know, it's 2-1. And and then this lovely sport, this whole concept of stoppage time, that and offside. Yeah. I just. Four minutes. Like, like, what? No. Nine stop, right? minutes. And you're That's like, it was un. Real. And you know, it's always phonetic at the end of the game, yeah. right? And you're just like, come on. So it was the best feeling in the world. I bet. I bet. Do you ever play video games anymore? I do. I'm getting my, you know what, kicked in FIFA. My son has gotten really good in FIFA and it was really cute. Once FIFA launched the women's teams, he created a team that has all of the Angel City players on it. So that's so awesome. all of our national team players, Allie Riley, June Endo, and, and Christian Press, and Slid Rio, like he created the Angel City team. So we've been playing a lot of FIFA this break. I'm awesome. not getting any better. Is Defense an- is really hard. Offense, I'm good. Defense, not so good. Is there an NWSL game coming out? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been working hard with EA, so that's hopefully something that's on the horizon. Are you finding sports betting as well as is coming into being? I want it to. I want fantasy to most most importantly. Yeah, more important. That's when you really get to learn about the players. This idea that you know fantasy destroys your your love of a team isn't necessarily true, but it's also not behavior anymore. We follow players first, yeah. team second, leagues third. So, um. You know, that's one of my side projects is how do we get fantasy from the NWSL? Because that'll get more people engaged to learn about the players to then invest in the teams to come to games, right? It's all that, that cycle that we need to kick Players are the characters that create the conflict. There are heroes, anti-heroes, and everything else. Video games we have, you know, we're running this independent rock festival. And it's like a vintage marketplace. But last year was our kind of beta test. And we brought in an old school arcade setup like Galaga oh. and Pac-Man. Galaga's my favorite. It's like in heaven. I was like, it was amazing. Last question. If you're running the free jacks, what would you focus on? Building community. 
right? Because they drive everything. So building community, you know, leading with your values right now because consumers want to understand what you stand for and that helps create that emotional connection. And then put on a really great game day experience. Make it so they want to be there more than anywhere else because then that'll, that'll cause them to tell their friends and family to come. We got to eat a game. Super fun. I'll try like to get out there. Okay, you're awesome. Thank you so much. I know you're super busy, but thank you so much. And listeners out there, thank you for listening to the latest episode of Full Contact CEO. Stay tuned for a slate of guests in the world of sports, business, and of course, rugby. Don't forget to subscribe and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for latest updates. Julie, how do people follow you? What are the handles? Yeah, we are Angel City on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Awesome. And angelcity.com. Great. And do do you have one that you shared vignettes and anecdotes on either Twitter or Instagram that people can follow. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, I, I'm all over, you know, Twitter and Instagram at, at J Ehrman. So J-U-H-R-M-A-M, my last name. Yeah. U-H-R. Maybe I'll say something interesting. You never know. My team allows me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. Best of my luck. My pleasure, Alex. Thanks so much. Bye.